You know, Friday night we had baptism. By the way, happy anniversary to Kingston and Maddie. They've been married one year. Little sweethearts. And uh, so we were back through the state. I was preparing with the musicians. We're praying. And, and uh, Alex, the younger, went running back there and said, Pastor Jeff, I'm getting baptized tonight. And everybody broke out and rejoicing, you know. And then mom just told me that, that he went to bed and it was the first night he wasn't in fright, you know. So breakthrough. And, and, and it is, it's, everybody say breakthrough. Jesus came to break chains. Jesus came to take all of us fallen, broken humanity and connect us back with God. We're living his dream. His dream, the joy set before Jesus that caused him to endure the cross and all of its pain and all of the, the willingness to take our toxicity and poisonous sin, all concentrated all him, on him at once and be alienated and separated from God, which is where we were, so we can be connected and be as he is now. He that the sun sets free is free indeed. And there's nothing really religious formal coldness in this place. This is the new life Jesus came to bring. Patsy and I got married in Abundant Life Church, and I love the name of that church because Jesus came to give life and give it in more abundance. So it makes sense to me a young kid would get a breakthrough in his sleep patterns and not be afraid. It makes sense to me people would find each other in, in church or that in a pandemic, people say, in spite of it all, let's come together. Let's dedicate our children to the next steps of God. It makes sense to me that a country post-communist, post-dominated by, by uh, Islam would experience such a touch of the Holy Spirit. It makes sense to me God would take a cornfield in the middle of a, of a floodplain, put a levee around it, and make it posh Chesterfield Valley, an economic engine to St. Louis County, and plant a church here and expand us to 36 acres and give us 75,000 square feet of building and all kinds of places for us to do a playground and do a field to build a new church and house whatever we need to do, whether it's developing a school system or whatever. We had a conference in this room, and Senator, at the time, Jim Talent was one of the speakers, and I opened it up. It was jam-packed with homeschoolers, and, and we, we had a learning center that we developed to accommodate that, and maybe we have to do that again. People belittled that before, and now maybe there has to be some... I'm willing in my season of my life, I'm over 28 now, and I'm thinking there might be some new things God has up his sleeve for us. I know it has to do with Jesus being exalted. I know it has to do with breakthrough occurring for broken people. I know that Jesus wants to set captives free, right? Here's an answer's prayer, and he's a present help in trouble. Who has found the Lord to be your shepherd you shall not want? He makes you lie down in green pastures, leads you by quiet waters. He restores. Who's ever had your soul restored? Some of you may be anxious. Some of you may be a little depressed. Some of you may be, if the truth be told, a little bummed out. I believe he's the glory and the lifter of our heads. And my teaching this morning is the doctrine of salvation. I want to talk to you in this foundational moment about a new birth, about new beginnings. And uh, I, I, want to, I want to just tell you how great God is. How great God is. Friday. How many of you were not here Friday night? Let's see your hands if you were not here. Let me just show you a little thing of what happened. You know, with people getting in the waters of baptism and Pastor John baptizing people. Just to, just look, look at this. And that little, little, I mean, there's Rachel. Look, there's, yeah, the Perez's father and son. I've never seen that before. That was cool. Hallelujah. We got preacher's kids getting committed. Oh, yeah. 
There, oh yeah, God is doing great things. God is doing great things in our midst. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Wow, that's a deep man. Come on. God is doing something. This is the indication of what God's doing. Revival, harvest. Everybody say new beginnings. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that doesn't believe shall be condemned. It gets as simplified as that. God brings it down to a distilled term. You know, I started out my series and on the doctrine of the, of the scriptures. And my key verse that I selected was 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, 16, 17. In chapter 3, verse 15, Paul is talking to Timothy about his grandmother and, gran- and his mother giving him the word. You know this, the truth and you've heard the word from your, your generations before. And then in verse 15 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, you know the sacred writings that are able to make you wise to salvation. And then he says in verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Essentially, I've come to feed you and lead you and teach you and and instruct you in these four components. Look, let's go back to 15s. I want you to look at this because it's so strong in my spirit. From childhood, you've known the sacred writings. Everybody say sacred writings. It's another word for the Holy Bible or the scriptures. They're God-breathed. They're God's word. They're not just another uh, uh, book of religion. It's, it's, it's alive. It's, Hebrews 4.12 says that it's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to give you wisdom for salvation. It's able to make you wise. It leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So everybody needs this, and it comes through hearing God's word. In fact, if you're a note taker, I'm going to just I'm going to unload on you because we for for the sake of time. First Peter 1:23 says, "You have been born again, not of the seed which is perishable, but of imperishable. That is the living and abiding word of God. All other seeds, you know." Like my son who got these lemon seeds from the lemons. We squeezed the lemons. He got the seeds. He dried them out on a paper towel. Then he germinated them, put them in in soil. He's planted them. He's now going to make them gift house plants, and I'm going to water them through the week. They germinated and they grew. Not all of them did. He planted a bunch of them, but not all of them did. You know, years ago, after the flood of 93, one of the uh, elder Rombachs brought a, a, a paper bag. It looked like a lunch bag. Anybody remember brown paper bags? My, my grandpa used to put a tall boy beer in it while he was driving around. That was, that's a whole other story. I'm not proud of that. Crazy. But uh, he, he had a bag of seed and he went to the seed store and he said, hey, he said, hey, Pastor Jeff, this is my future melon crop for this year. These are like honeydew or some kind of species of melon. You want to guess how much I paid for this bag? I said, I have no guess. I looked at it, he handed it to me, it was like this big. It was stapled, two staples, folded over. It was was fat and full, but it's still not 1,800 bucks worth in my mind. Just a bunch of seed. I said, why did it cost that much? Because it is guaranteed a certain yield. Because they've, they've refined it, the horticultures have worked on it. And it's such a specialized, such, and, and they've, the fruit, the flavor, the aroma, the smell, the, the sugar content, the tendency for them not to be like, like cucumber flavor. Has anybody ever bought a, a watermelon and it, you opened it up and it tasted like uh, a cucumber? How many of you are expert 
watermelon buyers and, and you're disgusted that I just said that? How many of you? Would you please help me at the store, please? Because it's a bunch of guesswork. Well, Pastor Jeff, it's got to be flat on one side. It's got to be kind of yellow. It's got to have a, have a spot. It can't be round, right? And you got to thump it. Well, what do you thump it? What happens? I don't know. I, I, you guys know the golden sound of it? I don't know. Some of you have now you get now some of you are getting prideful. I can feel it. You got to repent. But here's what happened. The, the Rombox, and we became friends, and he said, Pastor Jeff, he called me up later, you know, after, right around harvest. Do your church members like melons? I said, well, I do. He goes, you remember that? I planted those. We've got it. After the flood, the, the, the Missouri River brought all this silt and all this enrichment. Said, our family has studied it. We haven't had this good a crop since the 1920s when we had another flood. So this is the bumper crop. Everybody say bumper crop of expensive seed. So then he comes in with a, tr a steak truck, which is so full, it's just teeming over. And, 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 and they drove up to the front, and they, they, we had to climb up, and we just had all such an abundance of these amazing, wonderful melons. And we just happened to have some staff and volunteers here, and we just, it was just the right time. It was still kind of warm during the, the autumn, and, and we busted those things open. And I remember the juice running down to my elbows. I had my face in there. We didn't have spoons or knives or anything. So I just was just like, and, and in fact, I've used it since then as a product. Chris, Chris Gould cuts my hair. She, she knows that my, I have a product I use. I use, I use melon juice. That's, what, that's why you get that. You don't just get this automatically. Everybody flip your hair back and say melon juice. Unless you're knee talk and then you got a perfect head, you don't need to. Knee talk, will you please float? <laughs> yes. Oh, I loved it. He just flicked his hair back. $1,800 seed. It was amazing. It was an epic crop for the Rombox. We got the benefit of the wonderful beauty. I mean, I still remember how flavorful and delicious and big they were. Not one of them was bad. I ate about, I had a bellyache from it. But let me tell you what happens with God's word as imperishable, incorruptible, powerful seed. That's why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. That's why when I started the series for Foundations, I wanted to get you back into a love relationship with your Bible that we're to study and we're to meditate on. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. How will they believe if they've never heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they're sent? How lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so all this that I'm focusing on is for two things. Revival amongst each one of us which I think was indicated on that video with those young men of God and ladies and kids getting, giving their hearts to Jesus. Rededication or, you know, big new birth and new beginnings. God is doing something, emerging something, right out of the lockdown in Kosovo, which was, has been socialist and communist, so they're familiar with those kinds of rigidities, and yet the word of God is coming forth and the seed is shooting out of the ground and the trees are coming forth and the manifestations of God. God is calling us to something very significant in this hour. God is stirring 
the local church. God is stirring St. Louis Family Church in, into a direction. He's stirring us to refresh us and break off the hindrances and break up the dirt clods. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, uh, Charles Finney constantly preached this during the colonial days of America. Break up the fallow ground, for he's about ready to rain righteousness on you. He said, break up the fallow ground, the dirt clods, the hindrances, for it is time to seek the Lord. Look at the rest of this. Until he comes to rain righteousness on you. After that baptism, a number of the young men got together and had sushi. And then uh, Jonathan Citron dropped off my son-in-law, Steve. And when Jonathan was driving out uh, late at night after Friday church, we rolled down windows and we had a talk with that young man. And uh, he said, I had a dream. I, w- I dreamed we were in the church, but we thought that the, the sprinkler system was, was uh, uh, activated because it was soaking, pouring down rain inside the church. Only then we realized, yeah, I realized it wasn't the, the sprinklers. It was the glory of God and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then he said, good night, and he drove off, and I, I walked into the house. That is awesome, man. That is awesome. He said, look, let's reread that. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Is it okay if I just explode on you? I'll try to do my best as your pastor to lead you in this. But this is without precedence. When Dick Mills was here, he said, hey, look, what you're about to do, there's no precedence for it in antiquity. There's, no, there's nothing current in the contemporary world, so don't anxiously look about you for a pattern. And, and you can't even expect, you can't even conceive of what God's about to do. And that's biblical, and I believe that. But look at, look at Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. We're talking about sowing and reaping. So to the flesh, you reap decay. So to the spirit, you reap life everlasting. Break up the fallow ground. I watched Steve transplant those lemons, those little sprouts, from a little starter uh, little tray to those individual pots. He had just enough topsoil for it. He gave them just enough space so the roots can spread and they could grow for a sustained period of time. He told me how much sunshine and how much shade they needed. And then he commissioned me to water them while he's on vacation in Florida, taking it easy. (laughs) Sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. Break up the fallow ground. I remember when Mr. Fick, the farmer, who's a great friend of the church, worked with uh, Bill Kirchhoff when he would farm that property over there, that eight acres over and over. I, I enjoyed watching him sometimes grow soybeans, sometimes grow corn, sometimes grow winter wheat. And I watched the intelligence of the systems of, of breaking up the ground and how one plant can deplete so then another plant can, can put back the potassium in the, in the soil. And I just thought, wow, man, wise farmers. It's just wonderful to be in modern times like this and have this wonderful 21st century church in a beautiful set of nice, you know, brand new, beautiful, uh, special buildings and a wonderful environment and still get to see old school farming practices right next door. I think it's prophetic. I think it's something God wants us to understand. Lift up your eyes and see the fields are white to harvest. Listen, those Kosovar kids weren't even born when that little girl was wanting to avenge the blood of her brothers. And the Lord mandated that a church in Chesterfield Valley would get up and go and be in proximity and be in the place, same place coincidentally where Paul said, 
I went even as far as Illyricum. That is actually where Paul the Apostle preached. That's where Mother Teresa was born. There's some amazing potential in that little town. There's some amazing people in that little town that deserve to hear the gospel, that deserve to have the love of Jesus revealed to them in tangible terms that they could understand. And, and, and so now we see seed potential, harvest, God willing to germinate it. Paul planted, Apollos watered, it said in 1 Corinthians 3, but God causes the growth. And right before that, it warned, you know, summer of Paul, summer of Apollos, summer of Cephas, summer of Christ, bunch of division trying to come on the development of the seed. And that's what's trying to happen right now. That's what the devil, I'm cautioning you, this is what the devil wants to sow into the earth, sow into the households, families, work, offices, jobs, and even in church. And we must understand what the times are and see that this is a time to break up the fallow ground. It's a time to yield and let the incorruptible seed of God's word continue to flourish in us. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The Perezes really love their kids. So they just rather hang out with their kids and each other than just about anything else. And they've got a mission just like the Netox and, and just like the Kettle Camps. And we're watching. We're seeing them raising up their kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Young Jonathan, I remember when he was, I went to his parents' wedding. I was, I was an usher at their wedding. And then I, I, I watched Jonathan come to church. And I watched him, like so many young people, transition from my parents are making me come to church, which is good, but now I want Jesus for myself, which he did do that, and uh, took it on as a young man, and now he's walking that and living for God and loving the Lord, and gets a dream like that, you know, kind of just lights it and throws it in my car, you know, and he drives off, good night, think about, wow, it wasn't the sprinkler system, it was the, it was the outpouring of God. There would be the glory of the outpouring. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Patsy and I got saved during the Jesus movement. Summer of 69 was crazy in Southern California, as it was everywhere else. In 68, they they assassinated Dr. King in in Tennessee. They killed Robert Kennedy and that stupid Manson craziness. All that stuff was that happened right by my house. Crazy stuff was going on. Society was in upheaval. Air pollution, trouble in the, with the genders, trouble with the, the generations, a, a, a divide, religious divides and division, uh, cultic stuff, crazy land, drugs, crazy stuff. And then God moves amongst the church, melts the religious formalism and addresses with a fresh infilling of the upper room of the day of Pentecost. God gets a lot of us seemingly irretrievable lost kids and brings us out of counterculture and brings us into the culture of the kingdom. Many people in my age bracket were lost, quasi-hippie, disoriented, disobedient, anti-establishment people. And God has spent the last 40 years teaching me submission to authority. He's taught me to be in church several days a week. He's taught me to stay in the word because if we study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed... It'll increase the potential for the miraculous. He says that we're to be carriers of this seed and that we sow in tears, but we reap with joy. 
He's called us out of darkness to show forth his marvelous light. I remember in Kosovo how hard it was to help people because they were so hurting. And yet God's near the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Can I just encourage you just for a minute? I just don't, I'm already three minutes over. Can you imagine that? That I've gone over? I spoke at an event, and uh, Steve Ellman, who's the uh, county executive for St. Charles, the, the representative for Dr. Sam Page, the guy right under him, who, by the way, asked me to pray for him, and a bunch of other dignitaries were there. Mayor, the mayor of Chesterfield, the mayor of Wildwood. Interesting, amazing things happened at that levee. Wonderful favor. And God just brought such blessing in that moment. And it was amazing. It was amazing. It seemed like such a little thing, but it was such a big thing. God is doing epic things around us. He's germinating seeds. I got a call from a guy we helped in 1993. Lives in another state. Visited church in the first service three weeks ago. He said, that was the best much I've ever heard in my life. I said, well, thank you. He said, you know why? Because there was, I've never heard that many scriptures quoted in one message. I learned at Bible school to preach the word. I'm telling you, if you come with an open heart, I'll be one of the best preachers you've ever heard. If you're bored or whatever way, I'm not being fed. Well, open up. I mean, I, I've ruined my appetite too where I just sit there with my arms crossed at a good meal. You open up though, you come in hungry, you come in receptive, you come in full of prayer, the meetings, they, they go into a new level. Friday night was unusual. Everybody, everybody was crying. God was moving. God is moving. Mike Lazareshi and Chris, I've known them for decades. They're still at it. Why are they still at it? Because that seed that was incorruptible, is, that never changes, is in their life. You're born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Hey, the Rombach melons were awesome. But there's nothing like your growth potential. There's nothing like the, your favor level. There's nothing like your gift mix. There's nothing like the imprint of what the Lord has done in your life. Suzanne and what God's brought in her life. Alexis and Mark. The things God's doing that eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered the heart of man. The things God has prepared for those who love him. This is where you stay plugged in. This is where you don't check out. This is where people that are pulling on you to do this or that, you've got to fight to listen to the master's voice. I will follow him and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And those were my introductory notes. <laughs> James 1.18, and we'll finish with that. James 1.18, right? Okay, you got one more scripture in you. You should actually read 15 all the way to the last part of the chapter. Because he says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. By the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the, that's, we're born again of the incorruptible seed. That's another, that was Peter's way of saying it. Now that's James' way of saying it. Jesus said it this way in John 3, 3, you must be born again. It's a new birth and it's instantaneous. What's not instantaneous is the process of our discipleship, our, our mind renewal, daily con, con, committing our bodies to him, keeping our flesh under, sowing to the spirit so we, we, we don't sow to the flesh, paying attention to God and learning his ways and walking in holiness and pursuing him and excelling, right? But see, look, he brought us forth by his will. Look what he did. James chapter 1, verse 18, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, look at this, 
the first fruits among his creatures. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a brand new creation. The old things pass away, all things become new. We're to spend the rest of our lives studying and figuring out these new things. We're complete in Christ. We're alive in Christ. We're far from oppression. Oh, the devil will lie to you. You ever have the devil make question your salvation? You ever had him challenge you? Oh, it's vicious. I have had the devil attack me on such levels, it's disturbing how wicked he is. How much advantage he takes when you're vulnerable. He'll pound you when you're down. Jesus is the total opposite. God's kindness and gentleness. Don't you appreciate how merciful God is? You come to him with all your guilt and shame. He goes, look, I bore your shame and I covered it. I, look, I even I am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. You're not going to get a bunch of condemnation from, from me because there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'll convict you. I'll deal with you. Your conscience, I'll, I'll stir it. I'll keep your heart tender. And you'll stay tender. You, if you don't sear your conscience, you'll stay tender all the time. But you, I'm not going to heap condemnation on you. I, Patsy and I learned never to say to our kids, shame on you because Jesus bore our shame. There are other things to correct your kid with and say, shame on you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You know, that's, a, that's, that's old darkness stuff. What we would say to our kids is, this is not who God made you to be. They go, what did he make me to be? A new creature. Uh, someone who walks in mercy. Somebody who's not selfish or somebody that's considerate. We start modeling that. Instead of barking at what we don't want, we're trying to elevate what we do want. That'll help these little babies. This is what we have for you. You know, uh, there's right and there's wrong. We'll say no and we'll say yes. But hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Did I say I was done? <laughs> no, this is what I said at that event. I got up and I said, politicians, priests, and pastors, when they say, I'll be brief, it really doesn't mean that. <laughs> right? But I have to be brief now because we have another service in 15 minutes. So let's all stand up on our feet. I want you to turn to somebody and say, born again. born again. Look at somebody else and say, the new birth. The new birth. Say to somebody else, salvation. salvation. Let's pray for one another before we go. I list your healing power to flow in this room. This dear lady whose sweet husband of over 20 years just passed, God, only you can address her hurt. And I ask that you bring amazing healing in her context. She's surrounded by people who are supportive of her and in faith, and here she is in church in the third row receiving healing from God. I pray the touch of the Holy Spirit on every marriage in this place. Anybody where it's gotten a little cold, a little distant, I pray you do a miracle, a series of miracles to bring restoration and revitalize that covenant of marriage. I pray for young people in here that are being disoriented and bombarded with the lies of the devil, and I pray they get through to the other side without the smell of smoke. And I pray protection, blessing on everybody in this room in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you as you go.